Todd, another Recovery Share. This is Mike Todd. I'm your host, Recovery First Podcast. We uh, we also do a live show and we interview folks uh, that are making a difference in their communities all over the United States uh, with substance use disorder, folks that deal with uh, um, recovery community organizations, peer support specialists, uh, recovery housing, harm reduction folks. We do all that. The Recovery First podcast is a podcast that helps highlight local initiatives in Greenville, South Carolina, and as well as on the national stage in the recovery communities. Here you will hear a wider range of topics surrounding addiction, recovery, and amazing advocates helping to make a difference in the recovery space. If you or a loved one are struggling with substance use disorder, please contact us today by calling 864-787-3798 or by visiting www.freedomrecoverycenterofgreenville.org. Now let's get ready to hear another amazing podcast with your host, Mike Todd. There seems to still be a stigma around the disease of substance use disorder, uh, the disease of addiction. Um, you know, I'm old. Sometimes I, I don't, this language stuff, I, I get it. It needs to change, but sometimes I still mess it up, right? Uh, sometimes I still say relapse instead of reoccurrence. Uh, you know, reoccurrence, uh, is, is sounds, it's so much better. It's so much more understandable. Anyway, I wanted to talk about, uh, there seems, like I said, there seems to be a stigma, like, and forgive me, I come right off the hip with this stuff, but there seems to still be a stigma around the disease of addiction, um, the disease of substance use disorder that, uh, we will help someone when they are ready. Uh, when they come to our church, we will help them. When they come to our anonymous 12-step program, we will help them. Um, I want us to kind of explore that a little bit. And I know that I grew up in that. I grew up in a anonymous 12-step program uh, back in the late 80s. Uh, when I first started coming around my anonymous 12-step program, there were only a few people. And I was told, look, you don't talk about this outside of these few people, pretty much outside of these walls, uh, that it's just something you don't discuss. And, and I think that, I think that everybody meant well by that. I, I really do. Like, you don't go to your job and say, hey, I'm, I'm an addict in recovery. We use that language back then. Uh, you don't go to your family reunion and, and talk about, you know, being in recovery and um, that it's kind of a, a best kept secret. I think that that, um, even though we meant well by that, we were doing what we thought was best at the time. Uh, I think it killed a lot of people. I think it's, I hate to say it, I, I think it's um, 
think it's been very detrimental to people finding recovery, to people getting treatment, to people getting help. And so I want to I want to talk about like when do we help drug users? When do we help people that are in the grips of substance use disorder? Exactly when do we start to engage with them? And this may surprise you and it may not surprise some folks. I'm going to tell you when we should start helping them. We should start helping them now, right now. And how can we do that? A lot of people are like, well, if they're not ready, I mean, could you imagine if we did that with other uh, diseases and other parts of the body? Like, why why do we treat diseases of the brain and have such a different perception and perceived a you know, brain diseases, mental illness, substance use disorder, why do we see it and treat it and think of it so differently than any other part of the body? Hmm. We know that we talk about decisions that people that have su- that are in the grips of substance use disorder or drug use are making poor decisions when they're in when they're deep into what we may call like a chaotic use. And um, it, 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 it's, it's obvious that with other diseases, other diseases are brought on by sometimes people making poor decisions. I mean, poor diets, choosing poor diets, choosing not to exercise, um, making poor choices that go on to lead to things like cancer, that go on to lead to things like heart disease, that go on to lead to things like uh, diabetes. And yet we view these people in a different way than we do people that are struggling with diseases of the brain. So when do we start helping people? Well, as I said, right away. And how can we do that? How can we start helping people who are in chaotic use and substance use disorder? There's a lot of ways that we can start doing it. One of the things that we can start doing as people in recovery is talking about recovery, recovering out loud. Um, not being ashamed to tell our story, not being ashamed to share it with someone. Um, we can meet drug users with dignity. I've got news for you, folks. Just because you're a drug user doesn't mean that you deserve to die. I'm going to quote the T-shirt. We can begin to reach drug users with dignity and love by giving them clean syringes. If we truly believe that this is a disease, if we truly believe that this is a medical issue, why do we have a problem with handing out clean syringes and naloxone? Why? Think about it. We know that when we do this, it's just common knowledge. It's just, it, it's just absolutely true. It's all in the data. 
that drug users are five times more likely to, tr- to, to seek treatment, to seek help, to seek recovery when they are met with dignity. I think about 30 years ago when I was standing outside of my car and getting ready to get back in my car because I believed that there was no hope for me and the only thing that was left for me was suicide. That I am really grateful. I was very, very, I was afraid to go in that meeting because there were some people that weren't so nice there. And I had had another reoccurrence. And I was afraid to walk in for fear of how I would be treated and the shame that I was in. And I'm lucky that there was a guy by the name of Bill O that happened to be standing there and saw me as I was getting into the car and asked me where I was going. And he asked me if. All he said was, can I walk? Hey, why don't I walk in with you? Because he knew. There were people in that meeting that believed that their way was the only way to recover. And even in even in 12-step programs, people recover differently. People do different things. Some people pray more. Some people meditate more. Some people go to umpteen meetings a week. Some people go to a couple meetings a week and write. Some, there's all these different things that work for us. But back then, there were a couple of people that believed that you had to do it a certain, their way or it wasn't right. And they would surely chastise you for that. But he didn't do that. He just said, I'll walk in with you. And the rest is history. He became my first sponsor. And he, all he told me when we left was, I'll show you what I did. And you can... Take what you can use and leave the rest. He was exactly what I needed at the time. But why do we wait to also for people to be in stage four substance use disorder before we help them? We need to invest more in prevention. And part of prevention, believe it or not, is naloxone, is uh, harm reduction, is meeting people in chaotic drug use and substance use disorder right where they are, to start to engage with them, to start to do the things that, huh, Jesus did, to start to meet the very people that society is casting out as hopeless, to begin to meet them and to begin to do what Jesus did 2,000 some odd years ago when he walked with the very, very dregs and the most outcast of society. And people began to get well. This is a disease of the brain. There's no doubt about it, and there's... Medical help that can be accessed and that needs to be more accessible. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're in recovery and you're not advocating, man, if you're just saying, well, I'm just going to go to my 
meetings and I'm going to help people that come to those meetings. And that's what, and listen, that's all well and good, but I'm just going to tell you, there's a whole lot else out here. And I believe that God spared my life to help all of them, all of them. Even the ones that are walking around today that say, I don't even want recovery. I don't even want trade. I don't even want help. Even those people. Because I believe that in my faith, in my walk with Jesus, that that's what I'm supposed to do. So I hope we begin to recover out loud and help those people that society has turned their backs on and deemed hopeless. Recovery First Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Let's get fired up about recovery. Let's get fired up about harm reduction. Let's get fired up about prevention. And uh, let's get fired up about advocacy. Let's start getting out here. Bullhorn, baby. So 30 years ago, when I first came into recovery, we didn't have recovery housing. If someone was seeking recovery and maybe coming to meetings and didn't have anywhere to live, we'd basically try to help them find somewhere to live. And, and that's how it all started. It, we all started basically living together and keeping each other accountable um, in recovery. Now, as the years have gone through, um, it's basically turned into an industry. And with that industry, there comes a lot of challenges. Um, there's a, quite a bit of exploitation. Um, you know, you're dealing with a very, very vulnerable population. So that's the reason that we started the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association to help providers, to help other recovery housing operators, to help mentor them, um, to help to advocate for them and one of the things that we did right off the bat was we started getting the locks on into all recovery housing in South Carolina. We were very fortunate to get a grant from the Clinton Foundation and some help from the Recovery Advocacy Project and Challenges Inc. and Favor Greenville and you know all of them combined have helped the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association to begin getting the locks on into all recovery housing in South Carolina and to help train their residents on the use of naloxone. We believe that is the first standard uh, that we need to accomplish in South Carolina. Recovery housing operators are a very valuable resource to those suffering from substance use disorder in South Carolina and we want to advocate for them train them, mentor, and just work with them with whatever needs that they may have. If you want to get in touch with us, it's screcoveryhousing.org.